Does your life ever feel a little bit like that? Busy, busy, busy. It's almost like your life is filled with chaos. Uh, we're talking about bringing order to our life today and getting, getting our life into God's priority. That's the topic of, of today's message. It's God's priority list. But first, there's a couple um, churchy things I got to do. First, uh, Bruce and Amy, would you stand up real quick? This is Bruce and Amy Prosser, and they've just been approved as legal members of our church. Can we give them a round of applause? Also mentionable today is Mr. and Mrs. Bob, Van, I want to make sure I say the last name right, Van Auken. Mr. and Mrs. Bob Van Auken, would you stand up? They just got married. So, um, so that's great. So today we're talking about how God wants to bring order into our lives. Okay, my wife just gave me a look and I wasn't sure what that was. Oh, that's my son's playing, okay. Oh, hi, Caleb. Hi. I love you, son. All right, we can go on. Today we're going to talk about order into our lives so that we're not um, living a life filled with chaos and, and disorder. We know that God is a God of order. Prove it. Okay. God's a God of order. Here's the Bible. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So he's a God of peace and he's a God of order. He wants our life to be in order, his order. When God made earth and made us, he, he made us in order. Our bodies are made complete. He made our lives to be complete and in order. But evil, everything evil in the world is something good, gone evil. Hate is a counterfeit of love. Disorder is a counterfeit of order or of peace. God intended peace. God made peace. And the devil comes along. He counterfeits it. And there's disorder in our lives. Things get mixed up. Um, that's how, that's how the, the kingdom works. The devil wants our life to be out of order, and God wants our life to be filled with order, his order. That's, so, that's why it's so important to focus our lives around priorities, how to keep the right thing first. So, so that's the topic of this is God's priority list for our lives. If there's any room in, uh, on your paper to take some extra notes, here we go. This is before number one. How do we discover our priorities? You can write this down. Uh, the first one, we can't set our priorities based on a quantity of time or a quantity of money. Priority is not about how much time you're spending somewhere or how much money you're spending somewhere. Priority is about what gets in front of another thing. Does that make sense? So if you're spending most of your money on a house payment, that doesn't necessarily mean that your house payment has a greater priority than God. But if you're spending so much money on your house payment that you are not tithing, right? There's precedence being made. A priority is whatever gets precedent over something else. If that makes sense, say, uh-huh. Uh -huh. Thank you. A higher priority is the thing that takes precedence over something else, especially when a crisis is on. All right, here's the second thing. We can't set our priorities based on 
others' priorities. Um, an educator, Dr. Emberton, I heard her say one time, God has wonderful plans for your life. Unfortunately, so does everyone else. <laughs> so we can't set our priorities on what other people's priorities are. But we do this so often, I think. I do it a lot. We play the comparison game. My dad always did it that way. In, in my case, that's, I should do it exactly because he was perfect. Um, <laughs> But do we ever think that way? My dad always did it that way. My boss does it that way. My coworker cuts, cuts corners. All the, kids, all the other kids cheated on the test. If I don't cheat, I'm going to be left behind. We can't set our priorities based on others' priorities. The way other people live doesn't matter. They're not your standard. Oh, come on. Somebody say preach it. Other people aren't our standard. What is? Okay, I'm getting to that. Here's the third thing. We can't set our priorities based on our feelings. Prioritizing things in our life based on our feelings, willy-nilly, is a total lack of self-control. Are you going to take care of your kids today? Nah. I, wanna, I don't feel like it. Are you going to read your Bible today? Nah. Netflix sounds better today. That's total lack of self-control. We can't set our priorities according to our feelings. Somebody say, preach it. Here's something interesting about feelings. Feelings are fact. Turn to the person next to you and say, fact. Feelings are fact. But they're not necessarily truth. I feel like everybody hates me. Fact. You feel that way. That doesn't mean it's truth. I feel like I'm abandoned. That's a fact that you feel that way. But it doesn't make it truth. God never abandons you. So how can we set our priorities? Thank you for asking. We can set our priorities based on God's word. That's the source. That's the standard for how we should live our lives. Prove it. Okay. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God himself, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Romans 12 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can set our priorities based on the word of God. So here's the deal. I'm about to, to tell you how I believe God wants your priorities to be. And it would be really easy for you to sit there and go, can't tell me how to live. That's right. I'm trying to share how, like, what I think God's rules are. But, but we sometimes get this heart. I do sometimes. Like we get pride in our heart and we go, why is God trying to control me? Why is God telling me what to do? Um, I have a car. It's a Chevy. And just a couple days ago, I was driving. It's got a little screen up there where the, it says how fast I'm going. And that speed speedometer went away. And there was a, a little note that came up that said, change your oil. I didn't, I didn't sit there and go, don't tell me when to change my oil. 
stupid Chevy. I didn't do that. The people who made the Chevy say that I should change the oil. I figure they know. I don't know a lot about cars. I put the gas in, I know how to check the oil, that's about it. I can change a tire. But I don't get mad when Chevy says, change your oil, because they made the car, they know how it works. So why would I get mad when God says, he made it. He made this. Shouldn't I say, okay, thank you for telling me. You know what happens if you don't change your oil? Bad things. Like your engine blows up, right? I don't know, I don't know enough about cars, but that's why I just change the oil when it says change it. Bad things happen if you don't change your oil, and bad things happen to our life. Our life gets ucky if we aren't changing the oil, if we aren't putting our life in the order that God wants it to be. All right, so here's God's priority list. Any guesses what priority number one is going to be for our lives? What is it? No, God. God, prayer goes into that, prayer, prayer works, but uh, God is our top priority. That's number one. The priority list, number one, is God. If, you t if you're taking the notes, you can write that down. Number one is God. This is the most important priority for our lives. It's our relationship with God. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus laid this out for us. He tells us, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest priority, commandment. If you have tension on your job, if you have tension with your spouse, tension with your kids, tension anywhere, and your life seems ucky, start here. That's how priorities work. When, when um, you heard a couple weeks ago about this plane that, that a part of an engine fell off and broke the window, and the plane had to make an emergency landing. I don't think, when, when the plane landed, there probably was some paint out of place. Probably had a scratch. But nobody was, uh, nobody was around saying, oh, we gotta get the paint. We gotta paint this. There's an engine missing. Start there. That's how a priority list works. If something is messed up in your life, Start there. Start there. Because it filters down and affects the rest of your life. Amen. Walking closely with, with God results in a good life. It does. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Oh, shoot. Do we have verse 23 too? I messed up. Oh, yeah. No, that was wrong. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There we go. Whoops. When this apple came from a tree, the apple, the apple tree was not worried about the tree next to it. How many apples does that tree have? Wasn't worried about it. In fact, the tree that this apple came from, that tree didn't have to try to produce an apple. It didn't have to try. 
It wasn't like, ooh, I hope I can put out an apple today. <laughs> it just sat there, put its roots in the right thing, collected the sun, and out came an apple. That's how fruit works. If you want peace in your life, if you want your life to be put back in order, we have to put down roots, yeah. absorb the sun, live in the spirit, and fruit pops out. Love, joy, peace. If there's some tension in your life, if something, you know there's going to be more priorities. If something, if number two, three, four, five, if something's out of place in your life, we start here. Because the natural result of living in the spirit and living a tight, close relationship with God, the nat natural result is going to be Godly fruit, peace. Somebody say, preach it. Preach it. You, you need to come to church more. If you don't come every week, you need to come to church more. You, you need to um, get off Facebook and read your Bible more. You need to be obedient to God and practice generous, proportionate giving. You need to turn the volume of the TV down and turn up the volume of God's voice in your, in your prayer. But not because it's a rule. Like, you need, to, you need to do that. We need to do that. Not because it's legalism, but because it's better. Amen. It's better for you. You run better. Don't tell me to change my oil. It'll run better. <laughs> You'll run better if we do these things. Thank you. All right, let's look at the second priority. Matthew 22 said that the first commandment was to love the Lord your God with all your heart. And Jesus continued, the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, don't put up the slide yet. Based on this, what would you guess is number two? Bingo, that's right. Loving your neighbor is what a lot of people would guess, but it's not. It's number two is, second priority is yourself. Yourself. Well, Pastor Adam, it said, love your neighbor. Okay, go back to the verse. Let's look at it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What if you hate yourself? <laughs> love your neighbor as yourself. If you hate yourself, how are you supposed to love another? The love that you have for yourself will cap your ability to love others. That's why it's number two, because everything else falls down from that. Amen. This is not about um, selfish self-desires. So don't go home and be like, I heard Pastor Adam say it, I'm supposed to get a massage and go to the spa. <laughs> nope. I mean, you can, but... That's not, not because of this. This is not about being selfish. Um, we are to hold others in higher esteem than ourselves. The Bible's clear about that. This is about seeing ourselves accurately. This, God's second priority for us is ourselves, to see ourselves accurately, which means seeing ourselves like God sees us. Psalm 139, verse 13. Let's read that together. 
for you, speaking about God, for God created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. So God made you. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm wonderful. This is a true statement. We need to love ourselves because God loves us. And we don't see ourselves accurately unless we love ourselves. We love ourselves because God loves us. Let me illustrate this. Got a little fish tank here. Bob the Builder on the inside. Okay, wait, he's got to be in there. Um, so imagine this, this is our life. Does, do all the kids want to come up here and get a closer look? If you're a kid, you can come up here and get a closer look. I kind of need to keep it here on the table because I, I don't have enough hands. Come on up, come on up. Come on up. All right, so there's Bob the Builder here, right? Hey, will you hold this? Come here, come here. Hold this right like that. <laughs> hey, come here, son. Come here, son. It's okay. Come right over here. Okay, so, so there's, um, there's Bob the Builder. They're inside, inside the, that. You're small? Yeah, you are small. It's hard to see things when you're small, isn't it? Come right up here, buddy. Can you see Bob the Builder? Yep. Okay, um, can we part, part the waters just a little bit so other people can see? Yeah, come right over here. Come right over here. Yeah, he's all the way down. All right, so th this is our life, and I'm going to put some blue food coloring in here to represent sin. We have sin in our life, right? And so sin, it's all clear. See, the life is clear, and it's beautiful. But sin comes along, and it's going to, as soon as I mix it up, it's going to make things icky. Everybody say, ew. ew. No, don't, okay. <laughs> Hang on to that, buddy. No, it's ew now, okay. Ew. Everybody say ew. ew. Okay, so we, we often will live our lives with sin. Let me take this up for a minute. We'll go around living our life with ew. Ew. Because we, we've all, hey buddy. Can you say ew? Ew. We live our life with ew. When we walk around, yeah. Hey guys. <laughs> all right. So we walk around with our life feeling ew. Because we all know, we all know the stuff we've done, right? No, I mean, no one here is perfect. So we've got these, these sins in our lives. I don't know what you're all laughing at. Just uh, forget that. Let me preach for a minute. Um, We've got the sin in our life when we walk around. Hey, ew. Yeah, ew, yucky. We walk around and we think this about ourselves. Ew. How can I love someone else? How can I serve someone else? Because I've got ew in my life. All right. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this here on the table. Uh, if you're tall, can you get behind the table? Ew, if you're tall, get behind the table, because you'll still be able to see it. I'll try. But see, what happens is when we take, 
some of Jesus' blood. I got some of Jesus' blood here. Went to Walmart and I got this. See Jesus' blood? <laughs> when you apply Jesus' blood to your life and you ask Jesus to, to cleanse you, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. So if we take the ew of our life, hey son, yep, you're good, you're good. If we take the ew of our life and we apply Jesus' blood, watch what happens. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Wait, it, it didn't mix up in there. It didn't get mixed up. It's coming to the top. Ew. Ew. No, it's not ew. You see, we know, we know how messed up our life is. We know, that, we know that we've made a mess of our life. We know that we're sinners. But when God looks down, when God looks at us, what does he see? What do you see? Red. I love you. Can, can you don't touch it. Do you want to see? What do you see? What color is that? Ew, okay, it's blood. It's Jesus' blood. Anybody else want to see? Yeah. When God looks down at us, he doesn't see all the blue sin. He sees his blood. Anybody else want to take a peek? Yeah, get in here. All he sees is blood. That's when God's looking down. Hey, let's give these kids a round of applause. Come back to your seats, kids. It's hard to forgive ourselves, isn't it? Because we know, we know how blue our life is. We know all the sin that we've done. We've, we know all the people that we've hurt. We know all the offenses. We've known all the things that we shouldn't have said but came out of our mouth anyway. But seeing ourselves accurately, loving yourself, means that you see yourself the way God sees you. I can't see any blue right now. All I see is the blood of Jesus. Technically, transmission fluid, but you get, the, you, get the, uh, you, you get the picture. When we love ourselves, we re- it's loving ourselves. What I'm talking about is seeing ourselves the way God made us, the way God sees us, forgiven. You're not what you say you are. You're who God says you are. God says you are forgiven. And he's looking down. He's not seeing the blue. He's seeing the red. Just ask a kid. They saw it. Preach it. Okay. Would you just give me a second? I got a mess. Okay. Let's go on. Here's the third priority. God's third priority for our lives is your family, your family. I got three subcategories. If there's extra room in your notes, you can put down an A, B, and a C. And I'm putting these in order. Your family is the third priority, but A is your spouse. A is your spouse, if you have one. Our marriage matters, church. It's a picture of God in the church. Ephesians chapter 5 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Look at that. The two become one flesh. So if number one priority is God, number two is yourself, seeing yourself the way God sees you, then there can't be a much closer to yourself than your spouse because the two become one. 
This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. It's mutual respect. Marriage matters. Turn to the person next to you and say, marriage matters. It represents the union between God and his church. I have a little rule that I like to say about marriage. If one person in the marriage relationship thinks that the marriage relationship has a problem, you have a problem. I hear stories of somebody saying, oh, I think we might have a problem, and, and the other person, oh, we don't have a problem. <laughs> you, you do. If one person feels there's a problem, there's a problem. If you're married, I would challenge you to adopt this rule. You both have an infinite number of we need help cards. <laughs> if one of you plays it, the other one's not allowed to argue. Because if one person feels there's a problem, there's a problem. We need help. I don't think so, but I'll go anyway. Let's go get some help. Let's go talk with Pastor. I think it's a good rule. All right, here's letter B. Your family is the third priority, followed by your spouse. B is your children. Hey, if you're married and you have kids, um, I would encourage you to uh, help your kids understand that your spouse is the most important person in that family. I love my dad always did that. He wasn't scared to kiss my mom in front of me. And I'm not scared to kiss my wife in front of my kids. In fact, we started this thing where if I kiss Lena, my son says, yay, mommy and daddy love each other. <laughs> it's true. I want him to know it. Okay, but the second priority is your children. If you have children, that's a big priority to God. Um, three little points here is discipline. We need to discipline them. Oh, I don't like that, Pastor Adam. Okay, well, let's look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 13 says, whoever spares the rod, like spanking, whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. Listen to this. The most loving thing we can do to our children is discipline them. In fact, the Bible verse says if you don't, it's hate. I say discipline. I, 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 I don't, we can't be over, um, like there's another verse. Can you go, the exasperation one in Ephesians, I think? Is it there? Is there another verse? Nope. Children, no. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Father, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That's the reason for discipline, that we're bringing them up. Discipline is being disciplined, right? Like, we're going to teach my kids how to be disciplined. I'm bringing them to rightness. Why is that so hard for us? I think it's, I think discipline is hard because, like, like we want to be their friend. Our kids don't need another buddy. They need a parent. Thank you. Our kids need to experience pain to learn. I don't just, I mean, I'm not telling you go home spank all the time. There's more than one way to discipline. But when my son would reach towards something hot, I'd smack his hand. Because we don't learn without pain. 
humans are kind of like that. We don't learn without pain. And a smack on the hand is going to help him learn, and it will hurt a whole lot less than a burned hand. A burn hurts. Our kids need to experience pain to learn. They need to experience correction and disappointment. This is a part of life. I remember when I was little, I did Little League Baseball. And, at, and the team I was on, we were terrible. Maybe because of me. We were, we were awful. We were the worst team. I don't think we won a game the whole time. But whatever, I was going out there, and I'm going to swing, I'm going to run, I'm going to trip over myself and fall down and get struck out. I didn't care. I was having fun. And at the end of it, they gave me a trophy. I remember getting in, my, getting in my dad. My dad picked me up, and I, I read it, and I said, participation. What's that mean, Dad? And he says, well, it means you tried. And I said, they gave me a trophy because I tried? <laughs> That's dumb. <laughs> I didn't earn it. We were terrible. We're all doing that. I mean, whatever. It's going to happen. They're going to give my kid a participation trophy. Um, I don't know what I'll do about that, but. We need to experience dis- disappointment. People give, dis- give participation trophies because I don't want them to be disappointed. Can you survive in the world today without being disappointed? Can you survive in the world today without having someone correct you? Our kids don't need a buddy as much as they need a parent that's willing to train them up in the way of the Lord. All right, so we need to discipline. Number two, we need to give them attention. We need to give them our attention. My son will still, if I'm not paying attention to him and he wants me, he will climb up on my lap and grab my cheeks and say, Dad, look at me. (laughs) I say, yes, son. And I'm trying to, to get out of, I'm trying to pay more attention to him because I know the day is coming. When he says, hey, dad, and if he doesn't get my attention, he's not going to climb on my lap and grab my cheeks. He's going to blow it off. Dad doesn't have time to me and, for me, and then go get his answers. Whatever the, the answer to the question he had, whatever it was, he's going to find it on Google instead of me, and I'd rather be the one that helps him. I don't, if I don't train him, the culture will. Somebody's going to. And the third thing is we need to live as an example. If you have children, you need to live as an example. Any parents ever utter the words, like you said something to your kid, and then you say, oh, my goodness, I'm my mother. (laughs) Or, oh, my goodness, that's what my dad said. Yeah. You know what? Your kids are going to grow up and do that about you. Either praise God or oh, my goodness. We need to live as an example. Hopefully, we praise in God that our kids will grow up and say the things we've said. But that's, we're only going to praise God if good things are coming out of us. Live as an example. If you want your kids to grow up, coming to church, guess what you have to do? All right, third priority under your family is your parents. Is your parents. And, and, is anyone in the room, would you raise your hand really high if you're a child? You have a mother and you have a father. Anyone, does, does anyone not come from a mother and a father? Okay, so 100%, 100%, we're all, we're all children. We've all, we all come from a mother and a father. So um, let's look at this Bible verse. So 100%, this applies to us. Children, 
Obey your parents in the, in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Does anyone want your life to be awesome? Like kids, do you want your life to be awesome and long? There's a promise. Honor your father and mother. It doesn't say until you're 18. Doesn't say it. We are to honor our father and our mother. If something's wrong with your family, something's wrong with your spouse, relationship, your children, with your parents, it's counterintuitive, but don't start by trying to fix your family. Start by, list, start by looking at number one, the list. Go. The list. Yep, God. Oh, you're, you're rocking it. Start by looking at God, and then look at yourself, and then look at your family. Because it trickles down. That's how a priority list works. Start with God. All right, here's the next one. Next priority that God wants for our life is your work and your ministry. Your work and your ministry. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. It's important to realize that uh, prioritizing things doesn't mean where you're spending the most time. Because there's not many of us that don't spend most of our time waking hours at work. Like that's where we're spending most of the time. That doesn't mean it's the highest priority. If I'm at work and like a family member is sick and dying, I'm leaving work. Like, like that gets, that get, number three gets precedent, precedence over work. So, so it's what's, what takes precedence over something else, not where you're spending the most time. I put on number four, I put work and ministry together. Uh, first of all, I think we should establish this. Everyone has a ministry. Everyone has a ministry. Everybody. Work should be number one. One of them for you, at least, maybe one, two. That's, like, that's a ministry for you. Oh, Pastor Adam, you, I, I don't have a ministry because I'm just in school. Oh, boy. <laughs> You've got one of the greatest ministries. Did you know that there's missionaries that we spend thousands of dollars, like the American church spends thousands of dollars to train people to go overseas to countries that, that are close to the gospel. Like, like, it's not legal to send a preacher into certain countries. And we do it anyway. Because we want Jesus in there. And did you know that it's not legal to send preachers to preach at school? But we can do it anyway. The kids, right? It's not illegal for kids to pray for someone. It's not. Kids should pray for another kid if they get sick. Like, how cool is that? Kids can talk about their faith at school. You can. Like, like, like if, this is the rule I like to say. If, you, if it's legal for you to talk about skateboards, 
or pepperoni pizza, like if it's open conversation, you can bring up your faith. It's a part of you. You're allowed to. So just don't be disruptive in class. Like that's what the law says. We don't have to spend thousands of dollars to send people into a mission field that's close to the gospel. We just got to send our kids to school. That's pretty great. But you know what? Our kids aren't going to do that if they don't see it modeled. Stepping on my toes there. Um, I want to say something about this priority as well. Your work in your ministry. Uh, most, most commonly to dad. I want to talk to dad for a minute or husbands. Don't confuse this with providing. Like, like don't confuse working extra hours with, um, with like, oh, my family, that, that's my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work triple, quadruple overtime because I'm providing for my family. Your family doesn't need you to work overtime as much as they need you. Amen. They, need, they, they need you. They need you. It's a, it's a textbook case where it happens a lot, focus on the family talks about it, where a husband will work countless hours in his mind providing. I'm, I'm being a good dad. I'm being a good husband. But the wife isn't feeling love. He's trying to love, but she's not hearing it. All she's hearing is, I'd rather be somewhere else. Kids, kids, your wife, they, they need you more than they need the overtime. Somebody say preach it. So if something's wrong with your work and your ministry, don't start looking at your work. Start by looking at your relationship with God, by looking at the relationship with yourself, by looking at your family. Get those right. Then your work and your ministry will go better. You'll have something to give, right, in your ministry. And here's priority number five, the rest of the world. God's priority list is the rest of the world. These people need Jesus shown to them. They are created in God's image. I used to actually give this one among the highest priorities in my life. And it should be a big deal. Because there's a whole world that's lost and dying and going to go to hell if we don't get to them and get Jesus to them. And when I realized that, it stirred something in me. And I made it one of the highest priorities in my life. I want everyone to know about Jesus. And that was all I care about. But that's out of order. That's out of God's order. God loves the world. And he wants us to get priorities straight. So we can reach them in a healthy way. If this is your top priority, let's say reaching the world is, a, is above your relationship with God. What are you going to give them? You're going to be trying to dish out God from an empty platter. Reaching them is God's mission for us. And we are not going to be effective at it unless we get his priorities right. 
So I would encourage you. It's easy to listen to a sermon and go, hmm, okay. I would encourage you right now to just lean in for a second. I want you to look at that list, look at the notes on your page, and I want you to be open to what God wants to say. What's out of whack in you? Where's your life's priorities not gelling with God's priorities? I just want to give you a second. Lord, we want to hear from you. Hey, kids, you can do this with me too. Lord, we want to hear from you. We're going to consider the priorities that you have for our lives, and we're going to consider where we're placing our priorities. Lord, if there's anything in our heart that doesn't please you, I pray you would speak to us now. Right now, church, we're going to get real quiet, and I want you to listen to your heart. I'm going to ask God to speak to us. Lord, speak to your church. We're going to listen to see if you want to say something to our hearts. What's out of whack? What are we missing? Where do we need to change? We want you to mold our lives. Where do you want us to change, God? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Lord, I pray that you give us the strength we need to make the changes necessary in our lives so that we can put the right things first and that our life would be fruitful and powerful for your kingdom. Lord, guide us as we leave here and, and go out to do your work. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll have a pray tr prayer team here at the front to pray for you. If you have a need, please come up. Go with God. You're dismissed.